Securities and investment advisory services offered through Next Financial Group, member FINRA SIPC. Sierra Ridge Wealth Management is not an affiliate of Next Financial Group. The Dow Jones Industrial Average is a price-weighted index of 30 actively traded blue-chip stocks. The S&P 500 is a market-cap-weighted index composed of the common stocks of 500 leading companies in leading industries of the U.S. economy. This material is not intended as an offer or solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security or other financial instrument. Past performance does not guarantee future performance. All the views expressed are those of Hunter and not those of Sierra Ridge Wealth Management or Next Financial Group. Next does not provide tax or legal advice. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Wealth Accelerator Podcast. It's Hunter Lowry here. Hope you're having a great week so far. Hope you're excited for the big Super Bowl Sunday coming up. I about guarantee it, without a doubt, you probably watch more football than I do. I have not watched a single game this year. I haven't watched a football game since the Super Bowl last year, and that doesn't ever change. (laughs) I don't know why. I never got into it. I tried playing fantasy football in college. Still didn't get me into it. I would literally be the guy that never checked his roster the entire year, and I just donated to the pot. So I was over that pretty quick, but I don't know. I, I just never played football. My family wasn't into it. We never watched it. So never been super intrigued by it. But I'll tell you what, I am a big fan of a good sports story. So my heart's rooting for Tom Brady. I was never like a diehard Patriots fan, obviously, or anything. But I do think it would be sweet if Tom Brady could pull this off because I don't know, like I said, I just like stories like that. I think it's awesome. But I played just about every other sport when I grew up. I mean, I played baseball, basketball, soccer. We wakeboarded, snowboarded, team roped. And not going to lie, my favorite uh, possession that I have still, and actually I don't know where it is, but my mom was cleaning out the uh, shelves in their office space in the house the other day. And she was calling me and sending me pictures like, Hunter, look what I found, your your T-ball trophy from 2000. And I found your basketball trophy and all, you know, all those things that you get, everybody gets when you're in fifth grade and you play on a basketball team and you get your little bobblehead trophy for the year. <laughs> but the one thing that I do want her to find, and hopefully she does, and I will keep this one, is I have, and don't be jealous here, I have a most improved bowling trophy from, I don't know, it's probably like third or fourth grade. Our school used to take us in the bus to go bowling once a week. And I got most improved, which I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing, but I got the trophy. So that would be the one thing that I would put up and, and keep, but the rest of them, uh, I'm not, not super into it, <laughs> but I ended up basically just sticking to golf, baseball and basketball. And I played those a ton up through junior high When high school came around, my parents and I had talked and, you know, they had told me if you want to be good at your sports and you want to be good on the high school team, probably should just stick to two. So I cut baseball out of the mix and I stuck with golf and basketball, which I played full time. It was really, really nice. I mean, it's really fun to have a a team sport that you play as well as an individual. I don't know. It's just a different mindset. And when golf season was over, I'd go be excited to play basketball. And when basketball season was over, it was a nice break and I was excited to golf. It was a perfect, perfect ratio. But then around junior year of high school, I quit golf so that I could focus 100% on basketball and get in the gym more and, you know, start filming recruiting videos and sending those out to coaches and doing everything I could to get recruited to play college basketball. 
which it ended up working out perfect. I played at Pomona Pitzer in Southern California, had a great experience there, absolutely loved it. I played basketball for my first two years of college. And then, you know, when I was doing double days every winter in December and everybody else is back home snowboarding with their family, <laughs> I got a little bit burnt out, especially when I realized that there was no chance I was going to make a living playing basketball. So I actually stopped playing basketball in my sophomore year of college. And then I walked onto the golf team. So I played golf for my, uh, the end of sophomore year and then through junior and senior year of college. So I went back to golf. It was really, really fun. But I'm going to stick to the basketball references here. I know we should be talking about football, but the basketball is a little bit more near and dear to my heart. So <laughs> when I played, I played shooting guard. I liked to shoot the three ball. I was all about it. Even on fast breaks, sometimes I would just pull up from three instead of going to the rim, which <laughs> caused some arguments sometimes, but I always like to shoot the ball. And my dad actually also played college basketball as well. So he helped me all the time, worked on my shot and helped me with all my moves and everything and would critique my game and help me all throughout my basketball career. But my dad, he viewed the game as very offensive. You know, we talked a lot about scoring and just how to be a better offensive player in general. And of course, you know, we talked about defense and things, but um, offense was definitely more of the focus where my coach in high school, he viewed the game as very defensive. He never talked as much about offense. All we did when I first got to our high school, I first started playing on the varsity team. All we did was press people. We ran what he called a run and jump press. So it was basically just a man to man press and we would switch everything and just try to jump in every passing lane and super overextend ourselves defensively and just try to get steals and create turmoil. We didn't have very good set plays. Nobody was, you know, really a great one-on-one -on -one player or nothing. We just ran as hard as we could and tried to get a ton of layups. And it worked okay. I mean, we had some kids that were really strong and fast. So there were some teams we were able to just kind of bully over, but it didn't work as great. But once we got away from that and started playing in a little bit more of a half-court set and not so chaotic, we ended up being a lot better. But anyways, my coach, like I said, he was really, really defensive. That's what we worked on all the time. That the People that played better defense started over the better offensive players. Now, that didn't last forever. He ended up changing his mind, and that's when our team got really, really good. But in the beginning, that's all that he cared about. And in sports nowadays in general, especially in basketball, Everybody talks about offense. You don't ever hear about Steph's defensive stops or KD Ding someone up ever. I mean, if you turn on Sports Center, you're going to see Steph hitting a step back in somebody's face from 40 feet behind the line, and you're going to see KD crossing somebody over and just throwing down on them. Offense is flashy. It's cool. It's fun. It's, it's what we want to watch. It's what everybody wants to see. But the legendary Alabama football coach, Paul Bryant, he coined the phrase, defense wins championships. And it's super funny, guaranteed 100% tomorrow if you go up to my dad and tell him that, you know, hey, on the basketball court, defense wins championships. I already know what he's gonna say. You can take it to the bank. I just know it, I've heard it so many times. His answer, which I think my dad coined this one too, at least I'm gonna say he did because I heard it so much, but he would answer, one zero wins every time, <laughs> which it's true. And I think that that's why, you know, in the sports world, I'm inclined to be a lot more of an offensive guy as well and lean towards my dad's philosophies that way. But with the market and investing, I'm kind of with coach Bryant. Defense can make you rich. Defense can save your portfolio. Defense is what takes us through the tough pullbacks and the unexpected market conditions. 
which is really the sole reason behind why we utilize the core and satellite portfolio that I had talked about a few episodes back. But you have to have more in your playbook than just a diversified portfolio. I really believe that you need an assortment of plays set up that you can call on when the time is right and that's going to last you all season, especially if you're already in the fourth quarter of your financial accumulation life. And being defensive, it requires more than just buying bonds or buying bond portfolios. People think you can't lose money in the bond market. Well, I've been thinking about this. I need to make an episode. Probably next week I'll do something and explain uh, the risks of the bond market. But they're not always just this safe asset that everybody thinks they are. Because if we're in an environment in which interest rates are rising and the stock market's falling, that is a horrible mix for your equity and bond portfolio. I like to have clients utilize a portion of their funds into certain fixed products, places where there's a zero floor. You know, you may be capped on the potential upside of these products that you're able to, to achieve, but that's the price we're willing to pay for the downside protection that they offer. Now, the hard part is convincing people to see the value of these things while the market's doing so well. But why do you think basketball coaches have sidelines out of bounds plays for situations where there's two seconds left on the clock and you're down by two, you need a three-pointer? Shoot, my college basketball coach, he was awesome. He actually coached for Greg Popovich, the head coach of the San Antonio Spurs. He was the assistant for Greg Popovich. Greg Popovich's first college coaching job was at my college at Pomona Pitzer, which is actually crazy. It's kind of a bummer. The year before I got to Pomona Pitzer, I was a senior in high school. And that, that year before I got there, Coach Popovich flew out the entire Pomona Pitzer team to San Antonio, and they got to practice in the Spurs facility. Coach Popovich took them out to Morton Steakhouse. I, you know, the story is all the older players on the team, freshman year of college when I first got there, they would say, Hunter, you missed out, man. Like, you don't even know how cool it was to see Coach Popovich. And they were saying, we, we showed up to the Spurs training facility, and when they got there, Kawhi Leonard was practicing. He was with his trainer just, you know, doing his workout for the day. And Popovich yelled at him when the Pomona Pitzer team showed up. He said, hey, Kawhi, get your butt out of here, man. Let a real team practice. <laughs> and all the players were just dying laughing watching Kawhi like, walk off the court. But anyways, since he coached under Popovich, my coach that I had, he had the whole assortment of plays. Oh, my goodness. If didn't matter the situation, I mean, wherever the ball came out, whoever was in the game, whatever that needed, he had 10 plays for it. And we used to work on it all the time. I mean, they all had trick plays and 10 different variations you could do off each one. But I'll tell you what, if there was two seconds left and you were down by two, no matter where the ball was on the court, no matter what was going on, where you were, he had 10 ideas for a way that we could get through it. And why do you think he did all that work and all that preparation? He wasn't planning on being that close at the end of the game. Shoot, of course, if we weren't up by 15 with 30 seconds left to just dribble out the clock, he came in throwing his clipboard and not super happy with us. <laughs> but his experience taught him to be ready for the unexpected. He'd seen these situations before. He knew that it was inevitable. And that's what I believe people need with their portfolio also. When the market's killing it, nobody wants to diversify with safer plays. That's not cool. That's not fun. It's not exciting. It's only when the market falls that everyone wants to take risk off the table and by then it's too late. Nobody knows when the market's going to pull back. I'm not calling this as a warning sign or a doomsday or nothing like that. But realistically, it's a when, it's not an if the market's going to pull back. And you guys know also, I'm an optimist. I believe betting long on the American economy is always and forever will be a great play. But it's never a bad thing to limit volatility along the way. So guys, I'll leave you with that. Again, hope you have some fun plans for the Super Bowl this weekend. I'm hoping to be talking about a fun Tom Brady story come next week. But before I let you go, 
As always, if you have any questions, any concerns, want to talk about your financial portfolio, your goals, and what we can do to reach them, make sure you head over to my calendar at hunterlowry.com and schedule a call with me there. I would love to help you out. Thanks, everybody, and have a great rest of your day.